Hello, and welcome to the No Good Poetry Podcast. Each week we talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly of poetry. This is episode 95 with... Joseph Makos and... Joseph B. Evan. good, bad, and the ugly, isn't it? Some ugly shit out there, kids. Let's make the world safe for poetry. All right, so we're back this week, and uh, we're going to do an episode that's a little different, actually. It's uh, talking about law. Talking about law. Well, yeah, it's and law, order. but there is, a, there is a poetry aspect to this law. Well, because I think we were both kind of thinking about this fact that there was a bunch of stuff with, uh, with the beginning of the year that just went into public domain again, uh, and that it was a nice big chunk of stuff. And talking about that and, and, and how that relates to poetry... Both in, I mean, there's some some interesting poetry that went into public domain this year, but also, like, I think for poets, if you're trying to, like, cull some material that you can use, right, that's a good way to, that's a good thing to do is to cull some stuff that's in the public domain, right? Yeah, so let's just, I guess let's just cover it uh, from the start and let just if you've never heard of this or you don't know about it, um, maybe some of you listeners maybe have heard about it, but maybe you don't. Who knows? So January 1st is commonly known as Public Domain Day, and we haven't had a public domain actually since uh, another day that opens up public domain for 20 years. Yeah. Because uh, the Copyright Extension Act was filed the name of actually in honor of Sonny Bono. Um, happened in 1998. So really, January 1st, 1998 was the last time that a year, a full year of content was opened um, for public domain. And, and that year was 1922. So this year, strangely enough, 20 years later, in 2019, we uh, just opened up, it was just opened up 1923. So there's a 20-year gap between the last time public domain was open. And there's a reason for this gap. The reason is that there were, I mean, if you want to go, there's, there's a few different ways to look at it. So we can say, basically, because, so, okay, before, because of the Copyright before Extension the, Act. Before the Copyright Extension Act, the Sonny Bono Act, or as many people like to derisively call it, the Mickey Mouse Protection Act. Right. <laughs> how long uh, did something get to, uh, get to remain copyrighted? Well, I believe it was it was seventy five years, but it, they changed it to be one hundred and twenty years. I thought it used to be or ninety five. I years. think originally it was only fifty six years. Well, they changed it, and then they extended it. Yeah, again, <laughs> um, and then I think you're right. Then it was seventy something years. Huh? Not uh, yeah. So basically, it's ninety. So the Copyright Extension Act. Um, it meant that creations can be restricted under copyright law for actually up to 120 years. But the amendment changed that. So works that were published between 1923 and 1977 can enter the domain, uh, public domain, 95 years after their creation. Uh, that means that this is the first year, like I said, since 1998, that there's acts open. So, Which is crazy. So, But now we actually go for like a straight like 50... 51 years now straight away is wide open yeah all yeah. the way all the way to 1977 but yeah well that and that's why it's interesting right because it's a big chunk of stuff all at once it's not just like 
where if you had a more sensible law, every year you would get a little bit, a little bit, a little bit, right? But now we've got this crazy thing where you get a huge chunk of stuff at once. Right? Well, this is interesting, and I've been thinking a lot about this, but, you know, we could have gotten our... We could have gotten to experience the 1920s when we were in our 20s. Yeah. You know what I mean yeah. by that is experience using it for creative purposes or experience just... Really, I think public domain, not only does public the public domain laws prov, um, stop people from using content, but it also kind of, it's also a wall that's kind of set up for, for sort of generational access, uh, lack of preventing generational access, really. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, like, you can still access it to some extent, but not the way that you could if it were in the public domain. And that's like a culturally important thing, right? Like, I think, right? If you think about in the past, when copyright laws were not the way that they were, how people would become periodically obsessed with different past time periods, right? And that would be like a cultural phenomenon, right? Yeah. You think of like in well, thinking of the 20s and 30s, like the obsession with like Egyptian culture and how that kind of became a... I mean, you think of all the Art Nouveau and Art Deco designs and how much they're, like, touching on Egyptian culture all the time. And, and I mean, maybe that's a bad example because that's not in the public domain purview or whatever. But you get you get these kind of things where people get obsessed with their different, different past time periods, but we're kind of artificially making that more difficult to do, right? When you When it's all – you can only do it if you can buy the rights to it or get the rights to these things. And, right? yeah, I think that what, what's – I think the internet age, I think that was part of – you know, this happened in 1998, and I think that we were on the – we were just at the dawn. We were really at the dawn of the internet age. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah where that, that really would have been huge to, if all those things could just come out into the – or you think – I mean, I wonder, like, how, like – That'd be interesting to like interview people who work for Project Gutenberg or one of those things, right? Because when they began those projects, they didn't know that was coming. No. Right? And, and look, and look, the Internet you know? Archive, they had a party on the first of the year and they were yeah. celebrating because now that this is open, you know, groups like the Internet Archive who are at the forefront of this kind of open, open access, yeah, yeah. you know, open access. They're they're just like like over the moon about this. Because I'm sure every yeah. year they're going to be able to bring you know some 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 new fresh, awesome you know historic content online. So give so, us a little piece of yeah. Some so stuff I want to that comes in because there's a lot. Okay, so but but before we before we get into what came into public domain, this and then year. if you listen to the end, we're going to give you some resources of places you can go absolutely, to get some content because yeah, there's a bunch. Of, of places you can Well, go. before we get into what actually went into release this year, just yeah. to show you how ri- how ridiculous this law is on some level, I found I well I found someone who was already putting this list together, but I was also just kind of then I looked at other things based on if that if the Sonny Bono law had not come into effect. Oh my God! These are things that would have become public domain this year. Wait. Like if 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 that had not happened, if in ninety eight, are you saying if we were twenty years ahead? If nineteen ninety eight, 
If that law had not been passed, if we had the old 1978 Copyright Act, here's what would be coming. This in. is what would have been coming becoming public domain this year. Just to give you like a contrast of like if that hadn't happened, how what? A so are you saying that we would have been in? We would have technically been in 1943. That's what year would have become available then? Is that what you're saying? Um, let's see. No, things in 1962 would be available because wow. it's 2019. If you went back to the original thing before the extensions, oh, because it extended it. Yeah, because it was ext- okay. I guess this is before both of the extensions, not just the Sonny Bono Act, right? This is before both of the extensions. If if that had never been extended, if we went back to the original 78. I think it was passed in 76, but the 78 Copyright Act, these things would right now be gotcha. be in the public domain. Okay. Um, Bob Dylan's first album, Shut the fuck self-titled up. Bob Dylan, would be in public domain this year if we went back to the old law on that. Wow. Which is crazy, right? Uh, Nabokov's Pale Fire would be in the public domain. In the poetry world... Um, John Ashbery's Tennis Court Oath, his second book. So I assumedly also Some Trees would also be. Both of those were published uh, before 62. Wow. Um, all of Sylvia Plath's, well, not all of, Sylvia Plath's Colossus and Other Poems, her first book, would be also in the public domain. Uh more of William Carlos Williams. We'll see some of his did go in, in public domain, but mo- much more of his would be in public domain if it were by the old law. Uh, Kenneth Koch's Thank You and Other Poems. Uh, James Dickey's Drowning with Others. All of those things would be in public domain this year if we were if we went by the old law, right? That's pretty ridiculous. But it's ridiculous, but also, like, the 1978 law. But that also makes more sense, man. Like, that generationally makes more sense. Like, if you think about what you're looking back to, 2019, looking back to 50 years ago makes a little more sense than having to look back to fucking... 95 years? Yeah. Like, (laughs) that seems like more like the time, time you should be digesting the past, right? Like... To digest something 50 years ago is still kind of in the sight. If you are a 20-year-old right now, this stuff that's coming into the public domain is almost meaningless to you to some extent. It shouldn't be, but it's it's a lot harder work to figure out how to how to relate that to now. Right? Where if you were if you were 50 years ago is something where you can sort of wrap your head around as far as like how does this relate to what's happening now? You know? Yeah. Yeah, there is a weird gap. It's a weird generational thing where it's like, you know, we're looking at the 20s and we look at it like it's almost like another world. Like we don't really have, uh, it's difficult to make associations. But some of it, you know, some of it is, um, you know, quite pertinent and quite important and interesting. But- no, I'm not saying that it's not, but it just seems like, you know, I, I, I think the idea of things going in the public domain is... At a certain point, that culture's become enough of a part of the mainstream culture that it belongs to everybody, right? Like, that's the idea, right? Like, this is now ours. 
right? That shouldn't be something someone can just make profit off of. And like this has now been digested into our culture, and it's part of everyone's existence, right? And I don't know, like, I feel like 50 years is probably kind of the right time for that. Like, you know, like, 100 years, it's like, it's digested so much that now we're, like, examining something where it's hard to even tell what it is anymore. Well, yeah, because we also have sort of a distance with, with, you know, considering historiography, the way that history is told, and the way that, you know, the way that history is recorded and told. So, when you're looking at news reports and things from the 20s, it's like, I mean, it is our English language, but it is a different language. It's like, you know, they're using different words. They're explaining things different ways. They're Yeah, it takes a know, lot of work to even lo- understand it what it's saying, right? It because some of it just seems initially funny or like, because you're like, what the fuck? Like, what does that even mean? Like, to under, there's so much work that goes into that, which is kind of not the point, right? Like, and it, maybe it wouldn't be like that to some extent if things were going into public domain earlier. That's interesting to think of, like, from a language level. Would some of those idioms and those things of the time periods, some of them would probably be preserved if things went into public domain earlier because they, they might would be, be more in the public consciousness, right? Not Yeah, in, in quicker. Yeah. Quicker back in the public consciousness again and not 95 years out. Yeah. Or whatever we are now, it's 90, 95 years because we get 2000, it's 1919, but we get 2000, we get 1923. That's a long time, you know? That's a pretty long time. All right. So for our poetry ness, <laughs> uh, poetry that has come into public domain this year. It's a little list. It's not as much as you would think, but I guess maybe in 1920s, we're a little limited as what we have poetry-wise. That's that interesting. But um, E. Cummings, Tulips and Chimneys, that book came into public domain this year. Cool. Um, Edna, St. Vincent Millay's The Harp Weaver and Other Poems. Wallace Stevens' Harmonium, that's a pretty big one. Really? Yeah, Harmonia, man. That's a that's a good one. I mean, that has 13 Ways of Looking at a Blackbird, Emperor of Ice Cream. Some of the big ones, right, uh, that you really think of of being Wallace Stevens it, are, are in that book, right? And that's just coming to the public domain, right? Um, and that's actually, I think, I mean, he published kind of late, right? What, he was probably in his 40s when he published that, I think. Wallace Stevens? Yeah. He didn't publish till pretty late. But I think that was a really unsuccessful book when it came out. Like, it only sold, like, 100 copies or something. Really? But then, uh, but, of course, later on, you know, when he he kind of builds up his following, right? That came into public domain this year. Um, William Carlos Williams' Spring and All. Spring Again, and all. a lot of his most famous early poems are in that, right? So, another big one. Uh, bunch of Robert Frost. I don't think it's a full book, but it's just like a bunch of his his famous poems. Stopping by the woods on a snowy evening, fire and ice, nothing gold can stay, uh, or all went into public domain. But I think they were all magazine published, so I don't think it's a full collection. Okay. 
but it's a bunch of individual poems. And uh, Louise Bogan's Body of This Death. I never got too much into Louise Bogan, but I know she's got her following. Um, and that's, I think, probably her most famous book, too. Dude, Harmonium is 543 pages. Harmonium's, like, that's a big one. For that to go into public domain, right, is a big deal. And, I mean, that's just poetry. And, you know, you take it outside the poetry, there's so much stuff. I mean, you want to start looking at music and other nonfiction books and that have gone into, that went into public domain this year. It's, it's really a pretty big deal. It is a big deal. You know, and, and what's really great about it is like the ability to use this stuff and reconstitute it and, and re, you know, and be able to actually, you know, take it and, and, and use pieces of it, you know? Yeah. Make derivative works, essentially. Absolutely. But maybe, you know, let's get into that a little bit, but maybe we should read one of these poems that went into the public domain this Sounds year. Sounds good. I'll read one. You read one. Uh, let's see. What do we want to read? You can read one. You want to read Wallace Stevens? Got a bunch of choices. Sure. Ooh, what about Banal Sojourn? That looks like a good one. Banal Sojourn by Wallace Stevens. Two wooden tubs of blue hydrangeas stand at the foot of the stone steps. The sky is a blue gum streaked with rose. The trees are black. The grackles crack their throats of bone in the smooth air. Moisture and heat have swollen the garden into a slum of bloom. Party! Summer is like a fat beast, sleepy in mildew. Our old bane, green and bloated, serene, who cries. That bliss of stars, that princox of evening heaven... Reminding of seasons when radiance came running down, slim through the bareness. And so it is one dams, that green shade at the bottom of the land. For who can care at the wings, despoiling the Satan's air? And who does not seek the sky unfuzzed, soaring to the princox? One day, a malady. Here, a malady. One feels... A malady. Likes the princox. What's the princox? <laughs> What's the princox? So apparently... It's a bird of some sort? No, it's a... Maybe I made that up. But it's no. a self-confident young fellow. A princox. And both of the definitions that I found say the synonym is, which I always also have trouble with whenever I run into it, a coxcomb. A coxcomb. Okay. <laughs> Sounds British. Um, yeah, I mean, that's a bit of an archaic usage, I think. Bop. Sounds pretty foppish. A fop. Bop. I didn't see that on the other one, but this one does say a fop. A pert youth. A pert youth? Pert youth? A pert youth. Pert youth. <laughs> but, I don't know, it's a pretty nice poem, despite the princoxes. But, uh... <laughs> I don't know if that's the plural of princox, but, uh, and, you know, 
despite the Princox part, which is maybe a little archaic feeling, I think a lot of that feels pretty modern, right? Even though it's from 1923. It does feel pretty modern. I always think that uh, Wallace Stevens has that uh, sort of swerve. He yeah. sounds modern all the time. I love it. Well, there was that part. Oh, I'm trying to now. I gotta look back. Swollen the garden into a slum of bloom. It's not feel like the 1920s to me. I mean, that's pretty nice. Yeah. The sky unfuzzed. Yeah, like unfuzzed is pretty good. That's nice, you know. So yeah, Stevens, man, wide open right now. Wide open. So much Stevens that could be taken. I wonder if anyone will print like a weird. Like, I mean, someone could just publish Harmonium. Like a new edition of Harmonium now. Sure. You don't need to get the rights to it or, anymore. Or, or, we, or, yeah. we, or we could, you know. Pocket, I, I'm, pocket be, edition of Harmonium. I'd be more like. A weird small pocket edition of Harmonium. A small pocket edition of Harmonium? It yeah. was 500 pages. <laughs> I know. I think how awesome that'd be. Do you want like a small? Like you can fit it in your pocket. Uh, I was thinking more of like I was thinking more of like um, you know, like a like a, a short film, you know, writing a short because you yeah, could, you could, you could write yeah, a short for film sure, for sure, yeah. Of, of Stevens, you know, or like using or using this character that could be based on Stevens, and you could bring the poetry into it, and and you could do that without getting or know, since it's five hundred pages. You could do like an N seven of Harmonium, where you only use like the seventh, every seventh word of the book, and see what the poem comes out to. Oh my god! <laughs> oh, you mean like every seventh word of the book, like even the intro? Yeah, and just that's your that's your book. That seems a little. I mean, I was just looking up the book. It might work out all right. I don't know. Start from the beginning, every seventh word. <laughs> okay, well, you think about it. You know, but you could do some kind of interesting project like that, too. That might be kind of neat, you know? So far, it would be... <laughs> so far, the first two words would be... Hold on. Uh, first two words. You need to give me, like, five. So it's like a sentence or something. So far, it's Alfred Catalog and Published. Yeah, but you don't count the publication information. Oh, you watch just the poems. No, well, I mean, you could. I mean, if there was like a preface, but I don't think. Yeah, maybe just the poems. We can count the title, maybe. What would you get? Let's see. It would be overway until circular barcat. <laughs> it's not bad. <laughs> I don't know, but I'm just saying, like, there's also that kind of idea of, like, opening up. Play. Yeah. Using, sort of like, then, sort of like, using the public domain aspect of these new works by these new poets and stuff as, like, sort of, like, playgrounds for exploration or using the content or as found objects. Yeah, yeah. I mean, or you could do even crazier stuff. You could do... Like a Dada Wallace Stevens, like we could take yeah, Wallace, Dada we could do, Wallace Stevens. We could do a cut up of Wallace Stevens and call it like do a cut up. Put, you could do so like, like okay, so we could do a chapbook 
for Wallace Stevens. Like, put out a new chapbook for Wallace Stevens, and it's like, it could be called, like, you know, I mean, Harmonium's already a good name, so we could just steal the name, too, you know? We like, we like uh, selections from Harmonium or Broken Harmonium or, or, <laughs> okay, fine, edit that out. Broken Harmonium? Yeah, no, it could be all right, you know? But you could do yeah, some weird... what you do with it, right, you know? Yeah, punk it out a bit. Punk it up. Modernize it or do something. But it's already modern. And like also like stuff we've talked about before. Like as far as what that opens you up to with like that's the other nice thing is people start to digitize these. What that opens you up to as far as using computer learning and things you can do with it are interesting too, right? Like now I'm sure someone's gonna digitize that and you have that whole text you can feed into computer learning in some sort of way, which would be interesting. Or you could feed the whole text in and, and and do something interesting that way and be like, give me, you know. You wouldn't have to even manually go find every seventh word. You could be like, just do it for me. Or you could be or you could do something even weirder. Like put together every seventh letter. Well that and, and I mean, only and, and then put a space in between a word break in between every now and then, you know? I mean, dude, you can you could you could I mean you can just literally select the entire book right now. I mean, you can you can download the entire book. Oh, someone already has digitized yeah. the whole thing. Okay, that was fast. No, but they but that's they're waiting for it. Yeah, it's already yeah, done. Yeah. Like the Internet Archive already has all that stuff. Well, done. when I was looking this up, it had not been digitized yet. Really? But it's like since whatever a week ago or whatever that we were talking about this, it's been Wow, well, yeah, harmonious. It was not available. there yet, you know. Um I mean, that makes sense, but yeah, wow, that was fast. Or like, there's all the people who do like the punctuation project projects too. Like that, you could do that with it. And I lie, by the way. Harmonium is not 500 pages. This is this is actually the collected works of Wall Stevens, which is which is which is available in the public domain. What? No, the collected is not available in the public domain. Well, okay, here here it is later. for free. You can get the whole thing. Well, but they have be. Harmonium. Okay. Yeah. Well, that may be. An illegal copy, but that's all right. Maybe people know that Stevens is... A, well, it's, sometimes it's, people put stuff out. Also, it's a website yeah. from Europe, so that might change. Oh, well, I th- they do have different copyright laws, yeah. Yeah, so so American copyrights probably aren't as long. I think there. theirs is like a certain amount of years after someone has died. That's... Yeah. Which is a little more reasonable, right? Like, after someone dies, you've got a certain amount of years. Give their family, to, yeah, yeah. what, 50 years? Yeah. To deal with it, to get... So that might be why they have it up there, yeah. So yeah, so Mickey Mouse really was be- the reason that this all happened. Yeah, and, and it's an interesting story because uh, there's it's not just Mickey Mouse. Like if you really look deep into public domain and the advocates for it, it was it was Viacom and Walt and Disney and uh, the big networks, um, but it was also the NFL and the NBA and the and the uh, NBA and the NHL. It was all those big because think about those two. Okay, so, I mean, Disney, it makes sense to me because obviously that would be a big hit to them if anyone could just put Mickey Mouse on anything. But why? The- and look, you're going to be able to in, like, what, seven years? And Yeah, it won't be that long, I or, guess. Or nine years Well, or I mean, if they don't, I mean, if they don't do some other fucking legal shenanigans, which they may. But In, in eight years? Yeah. <laughs> and then all of a sudden they're going to close off the 30s. They're going to be like, no 30s. Um, but why the NFL and NBA? What are they worried about exactly? I wonder. 
I wonder if like there's early some other players or something. No, I wonder even... if there's some other way that the public domain laws affected them as well for something. Well, but it can't. I mean, it doesn't affect your brand, but it must affect some content that they have control over right now. But I can't imagine what that would be exactly, unless it's like early players or something, or or maybe games, video of early games or something. Are there videos of? Are there film of nineteen twenties games? I don't think so. It's just weird. Or maybe they're just thinking ahead. Right, they didn't want stuff that's later going into public domain, and they were just like, "Okay, well, doesn't Maybe affect us it. yet, but it will later." So we might as well be behind it now. Yeah. Wait, what was the other things at Viacom? Well, that makes sense. They probably own a bunch of those movies, right? Okay, check this out. Apparently, it does affect them because. Uh, the NFL doesn't actually own the copyright on Super Bowl one. Huh. So, so maybe, uh, maybe there is a rule that we're, what maybe year like, was Super Bowl one? 1967. 67. Yeah. Okay. But that's still, well, there still must be thinking ahead. Cause like we said, even if the law was the old way, it would only be 62. That would be coming into public domain this year. Huh. So they were thinking ahead, I guess. But I guess they were saying that's pretty soon. So five years from now, they would have had to deal with that. Yeah. You know, how much money can they be making off of Super Bowl one? It just seems so bizarre. Well, and that's the whole thing that leads leads us to this. It's also interesting. Like we're advising people, and it's true. Like if you want to make work from public domain stuff to go, this is a good time. We just got a bunch of new material. Are copyright laws just bullshit though? I mean, I don't know. I think that there should be. All right. Why? Something. Convince me. Well, I mean, you know, like copyright laws in general, like nobody can actually copyright like anything that they make or do. Right. Well, I mean, I don't know. I mean, that might be the most extreme position, I suppose. But I don't know. I wonder. How could you get anything made in in, 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 in this consumer society? How yeah, would you, you can. Even you be would, an artist. How would you be able to sell? Well, your art? it would totally change it, right? If anyone could make it at any time, if anyone could produce it at any time, people could just go take be, pictures of each other's art and just copy each other. Which I guess they do that anyway. They kind of do that anyway, but also like. And maybe with art, it, there's a little more of a... But think about, like, writing. Where is the value coming from as far as, like... Just weird, right? Like, it's like... Uh, and especially when you're talking about poetry, it's like, I don't know, there's very little commercial value in it to begin with. But then we have these weird laws of, like, what you can do or what you can't do. And then I wonder like what it does box in art wise, both in visual art and, and writing, like by not allowing people to just do what they want with it. I don't know. I mean, it seems like it's more, it's designed for businesses, obviously, mostly. Well, I mean, I think, yeah, but also, well, I mean, you're right because, because people don't just like copyright uh, you know, like a work, you know, a lot of people don't copyright their work. 
So, you know, there is a lot of work out there that people are creating that they aren't copyrighted. Well, but I mean, but I think technically by law, it's there's an automatic copyright. There is. So you have to register at the copyright office. You don't have to. It, no, you don't. It's automatic. I mean, if you want to, like protections put that underneath it is but i mean no but i think you're even granted some like if you wanted to go sue someone you don't have to register to be able to do that you can say as long as you can prove when you created it you have protections under the law for that yeah right or am i wrong i thought that's how it works you can say that part again you don't have to register to have protections under the law for that. No, you, don't. you automatically you do with creation. As long as you can prove that it's your you work, created it. you know, which that's maybe the slight sticking point. Can you always prove that you created it and when you created it? But as long as you can do that, you have protection, right? You do. I mean, I don't know. I think for some things it makes sense. Like, right? For like a newspaper, it makes sense. It'd be fucked up if you had no copyright law, right? Because someone could just republish the exact same story. Right. Somewhere else or the day later or. Yeah. In a different publication. Or, or even earlier if they somehow got a hold of it. They could scoop you. They could, they could put it out before you did. They call that scoop. Not do any work, right? And yeah. just. No, but I mean, they could do it word for word. They wouldn't even have to scoop you. They wouldn't have to write their own thing even. They could just word for word publish the thing and be like, all right, yeah, here you go. So there's some places where it kind of has some use. But I think in the artistic world, I wonder how much use it has, right? Uh, I mean, I think if you're a commercial artist, it has a lot of use. Well, well, yeah. I mean, I guess to some extent, right? If you're trying to sell an illustration, and someone could just pull old illustrations, but I don't know. I wonder if you did not have copyright law, wouldn't the novelty of something be more important? Wouldn't it become more important to hire artists to do? their own illustrations for you or even digital artists or whatever to do their own things for you. If anyone could pull anything from the past and use that for their illustration, wouldn't that make having something novel more interesting and more valuable, right? If you're the first one to do it and wouldn't it make it, and that's the whole other thing that it kind of eliminates. Imagine if you had digital artists right now, up your alley, Makos, if they could pull illustrations out of these, out of old magazines and newspapers and animate them or do whatever with them. and like, Let's do it. Well, no, I mean, but you could do it, right? I mean, we can do it with the stuff that's in public domain, but imagine if you didn't have to wait for shit to be in the public domain, right? People would be doing that all the time and be like, this is really cool, but it was before we had animation and before we could do these things with it. And people could be doing cool stuff with that. I don't know. I wonder if, like, copyright is not just, like, a weird capitalist. It definitely is. But that was the Copyright Law Extension Act was a, was a, was a play for the corporations, not for the people. And many, and many, and many uh, uh, 
you know, researchers try to fight for this and there was groups that fought for this to just open it up, you know, that whole 20 years and it just did never worked. It, it, no one fought to open but it up. I to, also wonder, is the internet going to kill copyright? Oh, I think, I mean, it already has in some ways. Cause like, I mean, well, I mean it had, but it's like, well, cause I mean, people think, here's the thing about people are like, well, sticking fingers in the dike, right? Like you're trying to get algorithms to like catch these fucking things, but no one can like you can't get humans to keep up with all the fucking shit people but, post out into the world, right? But like, dude, let's not, be honest, you know? man. Like what's going on in the internet right now is like is like a kind of a farce because you know, you I mean, I, I know people are tired of hearing this and I know people are like, oh, okay, whatever, you know. But look, Instagram, they own everything that you put on Instagram. They have a copy of it all. Google, Facebook has a copy of everything. And now that's why Facebook actually ramped up when Facebook went really big. It was because they figured out how to crunch their data and store it in, in copies of it in well, compressed form. Yeah, you're right. I mean, and, and anyone who knows. Well, and if you want to look at Google Books and what that was really about. I know. So, but, so like, so like, so like, if we really want to talk about like, you know, what the internet has done for copyright. Okay. Anything on Facebook, unless you post it. Well, I don't know. I don't think that's accurate. I mean, I know people try to make that argument, but well, I they, think they, if you they, look at, they definitely keep a copy of everything. They keep posted. a copy of it, but that doesn't mean that they have rights to do anything with it. That's a bit of a, of, of a, it's not a legal gray area. They just don't. They just don't have rights to do anything with it, even though, even though, I mean, your user agreement does not give them rights to do that. I mean, or it gives them very limited rights. What they can use it for is advertisements for their service. Yes. But that's about all they can use it for. They can't – it's not like they could take your posts and use it for any other purpose. It's not like they could publish a book of your posts. No. That does not – it doesn't give them There's the rights to do that. There's an invasion of privacy there. No, it's not about invasion of privacy. They, I mean, uh, I mean, you have given up your privacy, but <laughs> they just don't have the rights to use your content in that way. And and like people who are worried about their art or whatever, they can't like republish your art. That's not. There's nothing that's legally allowing them to do that. But what they could do, they could use your posts, like you're saying, if they were like, if they were doing an ad for like how great Facebook is. And they wanted to give examples of people's posts. They could certainly use it for that. You are granting them the right to do that. But they may be, and maybe that's what you're saying, playing a long game and recognizing that those laws are going to have to change ultimately. And then when that happens, they maybe will get rights to all that content. I don't know. You know? I mean, I don't. I think that they're going to have it forever, whether you like it or not. Well, I mean, they have copies of it. Yes, absolutely. But what what you you can legally do with it is a whole different question, I think. You know, I don't think as the laws are now that they have much that they are allowed to do with that. Uh Content-wise. I mean, data-wise, they're allowed to do pretty much the hell what they want, but uh, content-wise, I don't know. Maybe maybe this, maybe this will help. <laughs> On the matter of addressing clouds by Wallace Stevens. 
Gloomy grammarians in golden gowns, meekly you keep the mortal rendezvous, eliciting the still sustaining pomps of speech, which are like music so profound they seem an exultation without sound. Funnest philosophers and ponderers, their evocations are the speech of clouds. So speech of your processional returns and the casual evocations of your tread across the stale, mysterious seasons, these are the music of meat registration, these the responsive, still-sustaining pomps for you to magnify, if in that drifting waste you are to be accompanied by more than mute bare splendors of the sun and moon. Addressing clouds. Yeah, pretty good. Man, there's so much good Stevens. There really is. So you know, one of the different, different. You know, you know, they say like trends. You know about how like different, different poets fall out of favor and out of favor. You know, and I really, I'm really interested in that. Like just that idea in general of, you know, does public domain have anything to do with that? Well, it'll be interesting. Maybe there'll be a Stevens resurgence, right? I feel like he kind of has fallen in popularity a little. Like I feel like he was. Much more popular 30 years ago than he is now. You think so? Yeah. Or 25 years ago or something. I don't know. Right? Like, he's kind of... he's. I mean, not that he's unpopular, but I feel like there was this, like, kind of point where he became very popular again. But he's a weird poet. I think that's part of the thing. Is like, so he's got... And he has, like, a kind of distinct phases of his poetry, too, right? Yeah. I always like him, though. Even the stuff that I don't... Like, some of the ones that get more, like, philosophically abstract, I have a harder time with. But his phrasing is so good that I still like it. You know? Yeah. His phrasing is so good. So in a whole different poetry note, I suppose... Note or note? Uh, either one, you know. Hmm. But one of the charming things that I stumbled upon that I did not know about as I was looking at what went into public domain was there was a 1923 poem, but this is poem more in the sense of like newspaper poetry that we talked about, this stuff kind of for popular consumption. There was uh, a poem by Harold Herseabout. I'm sorry, I'll say that again. There is a pa- poem by Harold Hersey that was about this cowboy. It was pretty much like about a gay cowboy, right? Okay. But like at the time where people were making fun of people for being gay. It's called The Lavender Cowboy. Uh, and then later on, it was in a Western that happened in a Western movie that happened in the 1930s called Oklahoma Cyclone. And then it became like kind of a pretty popular song, and it was recorded in a bunch of different ways. And then, like more in modern times, a lot of gay artists have kind of reclaimed it as like an interesting, weird piece of cultural ephemera, where you have this early gay cowboy, the lavender cowboy, right? So it's pretty cool. I mean, you've got to like take it in full camp form because if you don't, it's not cool. But okay. you know, all right. This is the original poem. What year is this from? 1923. Nice. The Lavender Cowboy. 
He was only a lavender cowboy, and the hairs on his chest were but two. He wanted to be a real hero, and do as the real heroes do. Herbicinis and other hair lotions he would rub on his chest every night, but when he awoke in the morning, not a new hair was in sight. He fought for Nellie, your honor, and he cleaned out a whole robber's nest. He died with his six guns a-smoking, but with only two hairs on his chest. Well, they buried him out in the prairie, where the coyotes howl every night, and in the place where his bones lay, two cacti have grown into sight. <laughs> okay. That's the original poem. But then in other versions, they would like add other verses. And in some of the versions, uh, he's a little less sympathetic, and he's uh, um, he failed to impress Nellie, who he's in love with. And he goes into a he goes on this drinking binge and he breaks into a saloon. Uh, here's here's a verse from that. They shot the lavender cowboy and said as they laid him to rest, "You're better off now, boy, because you can't be a cowboy with only two hairs on your chest." He was just a lavender cowboy who committed a terrible sin. He went on a bender and slugged the bartender and stole all the strawberry gin. So they sent out the posse to find him and to bring him back dead or alive, and they knew as the went they were hot on the scent by the smell of Chanel number five. <laughs> so there's obviously like, you know, a lot of like playing around with uh slurring the effemineness of this lavender cowboy, but then that's kind of fun if you embrace it and like turn it into a Yeah. Campy thing, you know. <laughs> well, it's just a, you know, yeah, it's just. It's but like, like what? Well, like that's an interesting little just, weird piece of cultural ephemera that just Lavender came in, cowboy. You know, and that's now in the public domain. Maybe there should be. It's and they're recorded hundreds of times. Maybe I'll find a recording that's in the public domain. I can put on the outro of this. But 1923 you know. version of Lavender Cowboy. I wonder if that even exists. Maybe not. Maybe none of the. Recordings are in public domain, yeah, but maybe, maybe, maybe. But this is cool, you know. We get, we get to, we get to experience um, a whole new year of stuff. You know, I'm always digging for stuff right now from the 23. Oh, it's nice, you know. There's also now you, you've got a bunch of uh, stuff in your archive that is just coming to public domain. In the next seven before. years, we'll have that was we'll not have. that was not in public domain. Yeah, a lot of it. But here's the thing. I mean, we're going to start unleashing some of that stuff, but the best part about it, I think, is like the stuff that we find that isn't popular, stuff that we find that yeah, isn't yeah, famous, yeah, like yeah. the things that we can use, you know, those cool things. No, that's true, too, like just finding weird. So, I mean, in the end, yeah, so you were saying there was something interesting that went into the public domain that you ran across, weren't you? There's a book that came into the public domain in, right now, and it's called... The real story of a bootlegger, and I recommend it. It's pretty interesting. So far, I'm, I'm like I'm about 40, 50 pages in, and it's like it's like this guy who like grows up in a bar, but so he knows the alcohol business and he knows the trade. It's supposed to be nonfiction or something. Oh no, it's fiction. It's not fiction. It's nonfiction. It's nonfiction. It's it's nonfiction. It's, anytime you say the real story of a bootlegger, it makes me feel like it's not really going to be the real story, but. Oh, apparently it is. It, but it was, and it was published, fictionalized nonfiction. Well, originally it was published under anonymous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, it, then eventually, it came out that it was this guy Reginald White Wright Kaufman, <laughs> and uh, it's this whole life about growing up in that in in, in uh, the bar scene, 
And um, I think maybe they made a maybe 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 made a movie of it at some point. But uh, <laughs> someone should make a movie of it now. What if you right now made a movie of the real story of a bootlegger? That'd be pretty good. It could be. Let's not spoil anything, Joseph. <laughs> but yeah, but there's all kinds of great weird stuff. You're right. You know. Uh, I think it's the stuff that we don't know about that we find that we'll find from those years. That's going to be the most fascinating stuff. Yeah. You know, that kind of those things who, and think of like your own local shit too. Like I can't, like if I think of like, wow, man, what cool 1920s New Orleans, New Orleans stuff could we find? That would be badass that people don't know about necessarily. Dude, I'm just excited because you know? in two years, the fa- all the Faulkner short stories will be in public yeah. domain. But I mean, wherever you live, think of all the like, like you're saying, the stuff people wouldn't know about that's like local stuff to your place that you could find that's not public domain. If you find it and you put it out there, you're going to be the first one to do it, right? Pretty like much. You could find, you know, you could find interesting stuff in your area, your place, and be the first one to like remind people that that existed. You know? Totally. Man, that just makes me want to go and start digging in my 1920s uh, yeah. up, up front now. Yeah. See what I can find. But I, I've always thought about, like, man, what's what's all the 1920s stuff that's hidden? And 1920s are a pretty interesting period. Like, I oh, think dude. there's a lot of good stuff going on. It know? was, like, prohibition, but everyone was drinking, so it was, like, high rollins, and it was it seemed like a time that was, like, like no other time in our history. Yeah. Because then the Great Depression hit by the 29, and it was a bust from there on out. And maybe if you're an artist, you don't give a shit. You can use stuff that's not in public domain and just be like, well, come on, sue me. I'm not making any money. That's all right. But <laughs> uh, you could, and people do it all the time. Yeah, but if you're trying to do something legitimate with it, whether we like it or not, that's the the, the law of the land, and we kind of have to do it that way, you know? And uh, I promised you I would give you this at the end of the show, but there's a bunch of places that you can go. To, oh, yeah, to yeah. Get... What are some places that would be good places to find some of this So there's there, there's a place treasures. called the Public Domain Review, okay, um, that you can that you can actually check out. Um, there's actually, if you just go to law.duke.edu, there's a whole center for the study of public domain that is, has a huge list of things, um, that just like, for example, like, man, if, if we wanted to, um, Joseph, if we wanted to remake the entire, uh, the 10 commandments, like frame for frame, we could 1923. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's cool. So. We now can, you can use could you can you so you could use pieces of footage from that now, dude. We can use pieces of footage from these things. That's pretty cool. This is just some of the other stuff that you can check it out. Check it out. Look, the Ten Commandments. Okay, um, that's in nineteen twenty three. Yeah, really. We wow. can use Chaplin. We can use Tarzan. Well, Chaplin makes sense. We can nice. actually use Edgar, Edgar Rice Burroughs Tarzan. Pretty cool. Okay, we can use the Pilgrim Charlie Chaplin. Um, we can use the Prophet by Khalil Gibran. That's available, which is that's pretty intense. There's so much sheet music that came in. Oh, right? I bet, yeah. Of course, we mentioned earlier New Hampshire by Robert Frost, right? That yeah. whole book. Um, apparently, it's over fifty thousand titles. So if you go to law, if you go to the Duke um, 
website, a uh, public domain uh, website for Duke, um, yeah, you can come with a huge list. Let's take a look. There's a few more, though. Um, there is, uh, of course, the Internet Archive that's going to have a yeah, bunch of yeah, stuff, yeah. and they're going to be featuring stuff all the time. Um, and there is, yeah, there's a bunch of other places, too. Let me see here. And we can post some links, too. List. You know? I have a whole list. We can post some links, also. Yeah. I think that's a good place to get started, but maybe... Uh, you can send there me are some, some places those, like you can send me some of those links and I'll put them in the show notes too. Preprint.com, the Literature Network, LibriVox, Authorama, uh, and there's a bunch of different sites. There's there's so many different and sites. And I imagine like all of, and I imagine like some of these projects like Gutenberg Project and some of those things that that make everything freely available in the public domain are going to soon have a big surge of new pieces that you can access. I Dude, Virgin, think, Virginia you know. Wolf, Jacob's Room went in. I mean, there's so many cool things. Yeah, I didn't really, I was trying to focus on poetry, <clears throat> but there was a bunch of fiction too. That's interesting. Uh, that's coming out. Yeah. So many neat things that are coming. All right. Out. Two thoughts. Okay. On that. One, as you are, cause you're doing a big organization right now anyway, with your newspapers, yeah. I'm, for you, an idea for you, it'd be really cool if on your Nola DNA website you just periodically put some things up that are newly in the public domain. Sure. From newly in the public domain from yeah. 1923. You know, that'd be cool. You that know? would be cool. Um, and then listeners, if you do anything, like if listening to this inspires you to make any piece made out of some public domain stuff, send it to us and we'll we'll put it out there feature, maybe we'll even, you know put it out talk in about an episode it. in some sort of way, talk about it, that'd be cool, alright? Yeah, like that would be you, cool. Yeah. Alright, um Pretty good. Pretty neat stuff. Pretty neat stuff. Uh, we will uh, be back again next week. I don't have anything coming up? I don't know if you do. Really, we do. We have the fifteenth. We have uh, an event here at uh, Nola DNA Studios uh, at uh, sixteen twelve Aretha Kessel Haley Boulevard. The fifteenth, we have the itinerant printer Chris Fritton will be in town doing some printing. Uh, it's chaos over here right now, but we'll be set up with a bar and we'll be set up with some letter presses and doing some print print work, and we'll have some fun. Awesome. Yep. All right. Well, this has been another episode of Good Poetry. poetry.
Just a cream puff of the 